your business has big goals, you need more than just another vendor. You need a true partner who cares about your deal as much as you do. At PropLogix, we provide time-saving due diligence services from title searches to HOA research, lien searches, and more. Our team will go out of their way to ensure you're supported, and our reports are backed by our Six Sigma Quality Assurance Approach. PropLogix, getting you to the closing table with confidence. A new episode of Title Talks starts now. Unregulated alternatives to title insurance have been a hot-button topic in the industry. But are you familiar with a pilot program being tested by Fannie Mae that would allow for a waiver for title insurance in special circumstances? Today's conversation is from a live webinar PropLogix hosted with the American Land Title Association. Our guest was Chris Morton, Alta's Senior Vice President of Public Affairs and Chief Advocacy Officer. It's important to note that this was recorded on June 20th of 2023. Any updates on the program from Alta will be available on their website. We have a direct link in our show notes that you can find at proplogics.com forward slash resources. Here's today's episode. Thank you so much for joining today. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Becky Tassel with Proplogics. And we feel very passionate about supporting Alta ourselves as a vendor in the industry and um, wanted to make sure that we're consistently helping educate everybody else, um, our clients and partners and other vendors to make sure that they're informed on what's going on as well. So Chris, say hi to everybody. I don't know where you're calling in from today. You can tell them where you are and what the weather's like while we wait for some others to join us. Sure thing. Thanks, Becky. And first, let me say thanks to, to PropLogix, just a wonderful partnership over many, many years. So we really appreciate that and appreciate this opportunity. I'm in Washington, D.C. today. Uh, we finally got some rain after uh, a bit of a drought, so that's kind of nice. Um, and we've got one more week. Uh, Congress is in session before a, a couple-week break uh, for the July 4th recess. So it's it's pretty busy this week, but this is a really important topic. So looking forward to digging in with, uh, with all the folks on, on the call. Definitely. And I'm calling in from Sarasota, Florida and something over the last weekend, we've gotten some monsoons. <laughs> it's summer. We expect rain, but it's been like sideways rain, windy and crazy. So, but today's good. Don't worry. My internet shouldn't go out. <laughs> <laughs> So let's go ahead and get started. I already introduced myself. Um, I am the CMO here at PropLogix. I've been with the company um, since 2017 and learned so much about the title industry since joining. I've been working in marketing for over 15 years now, and we are so excited to have Chris on the call with us today. He is the SVP of Public Affairs and the Chief Advocacy Officer at the American Land Title Association. So Chris, thank you so much for joining us. And if you wouldn't mind, why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about exactly what that role means for you and what you're passionate about doing in this industry? Yeah, thanks, Becky. Um, so our team here at, at Alta, you know, comprises all of our state uh, advocates, federal advocates, um, and our uh, communications and, and sort of media relations. Uh, effort under the tr a true public affairs umbrella. Um, I've been here, I guess, now a little over three years. I've uh, been around uh, DC for a number of years in the trade association world, but uh, particularly in the housing finance space, um, as well as the broader financial services world. So um, I, I will just say this, uh, this industry is, is such a tremendous industry. The people 
uh, and the passion uh, that uh, Alta members and, and uh, partners have uh, to really serve consumers and, and serve uh, the goal of securing property rights in the right way is, is something that's just been tremendous. So I've, I've really enjoyed it and uh, the team's really busy. We've got a lot of uh, both opportunities and challenges, um, including the one we're going to talk about today. But um, I would not trade it uh, for anything. This has been just a, a really great uh, period of my career and, uh, and I'm enjoying it tremendously. So thank you. That's amazing. And I know they certainly enjoy the dedication and the work that you've been doing for them too over the past three years. So we as an industry appreciate you um, and the efforts that the entire team's putting in to make for a better future for all of us. So thank you so much. But let's dive in because Everyone's here today for one of the hottest topics in the industry, which is what is this Fannie Mae Title Insurance Waiver Pilot Program? Why don't you give us a little bit of a background here? Yeah, let me let me start by just sort of maybe stepping back a little in time uh, before we get to the actual uh, pilot that we're going to discuss, just to give some context on, on why we're talking about all these things, both the pilot and I know we're going to talk about attorney opinion letters, which, which have been a big topic. Um, so really... Um, the context is, is all about where the housing market has been um, in recent years. Obviously, now we're, we're in a bit of a, a downward um, a sort of trajectory uh, from the you know, significant highs over the last couple of years. Uh, but the reality is um, affordability is still a, a real challenge in, in markets across the country. And I think all of us recognize and appreciate and contribute to and want to solve the affordability challenge from where we sit in a way that is responsible and in a way that um, really helps consumers with unlocking the, the, the dream of home ownership um, in particular. I know for, for Alta members, that is something that drives them every day. Um, I think the question is how do you get there and sort of where do you target your efforts uh, from a public policy perspective, which is where you know we're focused here in Washington. Um, and so as a result of that, um, uh, the GSEs, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, you know, have over the years done a number of things to try to address the affordability issue. Um, most recently as part of a broader um, set of issues around uh, affordability that the administration, uh, the presidential administration has been driving, uh, the regulator FHFA has uh, worked with the GSEs to create what they're calling um, equitable housing finance plans. And these are plans that look at sort of the scope of all things uh, on the homeownership journey and try to determine where uh, there may be opportunities for um, greater affordability, uh, cost reduction, those kinds of things. Again, goals that we absolutely support um, and are working collaboratively on a number of fronts, and we'll talk about that on the back end. Uh, but as part of this um, equitable housing finance plan process, uh, one of the items that's been identified uh, within that is this notion of reducing uh, costs perhaps in the closing process. Um, and and um, again, something that um, we should look at, we should have a conversation about. Um, and so that's where all of the, con the discussion and conversation around new initiatives or new alternatives or other kinds of approaches has stemmed from. Um, so those plans were put into place uh, June of 2022. Um, they're three-year plans. Um, they were just updated uh, most recently uh, in uh, a couple months ago. And um, 
you know, and, and so we've been engaged in this conversation around that particular aspect of title and closing um, that's been part of the plan. So that takes us sort of full full throttle into sort of today of where, where we are. Um, um, I think the concerns we have in the, the process have been uh, several. One is really about um, making sure it's uh, transparent and there is full visibility into sort of goals and objectives and there's partnership uh, around how to achieve those goals and objectives. I think we're still working to try to get to that place um, from, uh, from, you know, from an industry perspective with uh, the GSEs with the FHFA, we had a lot of good conversations, but I think one of our concerns is sort of open opening that um, light and that sunlight. And so there should be a, a, a process uh, to do that. I'll talk a little bit about that um, in a better way. Um, I think the the second thing though is the specifics matter. You know, the details matter on these on these uh, uh, initiatives. And so there was a report back, I guess, in March um, that as part of this effort. Uh, Fannie Mae um, has been exploring um, a waiver of title insurance on certain loans that it purchases um, as a secondary market uh, purchaser. Their, their mission is principally to provide liquidity uh, in the marketplace for uh, more mortgage lending um, to provide for that opportunity for homeownership. I think our concern is that when you start talking about waiver of protections, then you know you you um, you really um, sort of raise a lot of questions, um, particularly as it relates to an industry that is highly regulated, proven in its ability to protect consumers, pay claims, do those kinds of things, um, and secure property rights. And so, why you would necessarily sort of open the door to sort of waiving those uh, protections, waiving those things, is a big question for us. But um, this pilot has not been sort of made fully public, which is also part of the, the challenge. But as we understand it, um, in waiving title on, uh, on the loan policies for certain loans that it purchases, Fannie would be essentially paying a fee to a le the lender um, for, waiving, uh, for waiving that title, taking some of that fee perhaps as a claims reserve to cover some of the risk associated with that. Uh, and and it raises a question as to whether or not they're now going to be acting de facto as a title insurer um, in, in sort of receiving that fee, taking the risk is what insurance is defined as, uh, and um, in an area where uh, they don't have the depth of expertise that we do, obviously, um, the set of history and experience or the regulatory structure, um, I think, um, there is a, a question about uh, whether or not this skirts, and we believe it does, into primary market activity, um, which is really beyond the charter of uh, the GSEs. They're sort of statutorily created to be the secondary market player, not that primary market actor like we are. Um, and um, they're not overseen in that way, right? The regulatory structure, unlike ours, we are state regulated, they are not. We are required to provide for uh, reserves that are actuarially sound to pay claims and do those kinds of things. That's not part of um, what they were created uh, for. And so there's a whole host of questions about expertise and um, ability, proven ability uh, here. Um, 
so those are the things we're asking, um, you know, in this process, and we've had some, you know, productive conversations. But again, this has not gotten to the regulator, the program itself. We're hearing these things in the marketplace. Uh, we haven't seen the, the sort of full-scale proposal uh, and what it all looks like. But what we've heard to date is, is you know, let's just put it disconcerting um, because it opens, you know, it op again opens a path and a door. Uh, that has not, you know, really been done before. Um, and so that's, you know, that's where we're concerned. I'll say this too. Um, there's been um, not just us saying this, there's been policymakers who've engaged on this topic. We've had a number of conversations uh, with policymakers um, on Capitol Hill, um, former regulators, former heads of the FHFA uh, have testified to say that this is, um, really not the realm of where the GSEs should be playing. Um, they're not a disintermediary. They're not a primary market actor. Um, and so, you know, they've got enough to deal with sort of keeping the liquidity flowing um, in the mortgage space. Um, and, you know, let's, let's be honest, going back uh, several years to the challenges we all faced in the housing crisis, they didn't really sort of prove their mettle um, in many respects. And so, it, it, in a time when you think about the, the situation in some of the banking um, uh, challenges we've had recently, where banks have failed, or we're now you know, having some challenges in the housing space in terms of rates increasing and, and all of that, why do we want to move in a way where we're um, getting government uh, agencies in conservatorship because they were not able to prove sort of their core functions doing something that, you know, is beyond those core functions. So um, that's a lot, but that's sort of a broad broad overview of, of where we are and some of the, you know, the big concerns that we have at this point. No, I appreciate it. And just to tag on to what you said, I think that it's important to note that we are getting out in front of this because we want the industry to be educated on what's going on. But you know, we're going to accept questions today. There is still a lot of unknowns. We right. have not seen very specific criteria surrounding this. And so we're sharing what we do know to date and we can use history uh, to make some assumptions about um, the risks that, that could be here right now. But like you said, we leverage the strengths of the experts. Um, I think we're preaching to the choir when we say we've got best practices in place for a reason and we're regulated at the state level because of how complex um, you know, the transactional business can be. So let's go into um, how this differs from attorney opinion letters, because I think that was a hot topic at Alta One last year. Um, people were talking all about it, and I know those have existed for quite some time, but they've definitely surfaced. So why don't you explain the difference um, to everyone here today? Yeah, so this is just, you know, the, the, the reported uh, pilot uh, waiver of title program on the lender policy side that I just talked about is a component of, you know, what now I think from all the GSEs, Fannie and Freddie, is a multi-pronged approach here. They're looking at all these different alternatives, you know, and, and I think, again, our concern is that these are alternatives that, and particularly with attorney opinion letters, um, in the new iteration of attorney opinion letters are not regulated, overseen, uh, reserved for all of those things in the same way that title is. And so, you know, our policy when we step back from all of this is let's have a conversation about affordability. Let's deal with 
um, you know, what we know and, and sort of the real uh, numbers and facts, uh, but let's do it in the construct of a well-regulated industry that can partner with, you know, with whomever um, to address some of those challenges as opposed to start down the road of unproven, you know, quote unquote innovations that potentially, um, you know, bring greater risk. And, and so on the, um, on the attorney opinion letter side, um, you know, there are, there are um, sort of some new alternatives out there, again, differently or unregulated than, than title insurance. Some purport to have uh, coverage for both lenders and owners and consumers, some only on the lender side. Um, there is a product out there that uh, is discussed as having an insurance component um, that wraps around the coverage. Um, again, I think part of the concern, and the NAIC Title Task Force has raised this, is um, those products haven't been very transparent. Um, in fact, some of the providers of those products, when asked to provide the specifics on their policies, have actually refused to provide those to the regulatory um, uh, requesters. Um, and so, um, you know, if if these things are so strong and so comprehensive in terms of coverage, you know, let's look at them and let's have that that dialogue. And to date, there's been a a, a bit of a a stumbling block there. Um, we are concerned because on the AOL side, um, you know, historically title insurance emerged because attorney opinion letters did not provide the same robust uh, protection and coverage. Um, we provide for both known and unknown risks. So attorney opinion letters, generally speaking, cover, you know, things that are found in a public record search. Um, you know, uh, title insurance, provides for those unknown risks that may emerge. So things like fraud or forgery, or in instances, you know, the duty to defend uh, from different uh, particular uh, challenges and defects. Um, we have not seen uh, that these emerging alternatives necessarily have the same robust coverage. Um, and, um, and there's a real question about if title agencies um, are not at the closing table in terms of providing for the education, walking consumers through what it is their choices are, all of the things that they're dealing with in terms of the closing. Who is doing that? I think that that's the case uh, as well for uh, this waiver program. Definitely. And so when we are not there, you're missing that expertise, you're missing that uh, objectivity and understanding uh, that's been proven and again regulated, sort of broadly speaking. So um, I know the NAIC and many state regulators are looking into these products. There's been three sessions that we have participated in with some of the uh, attorney opinion letter providers, um, where you know pointed questions have been asked. Um, we welcome you know that sort of dialogue and discussion. I think it's important, uh, but um, we have to get more depth of understanding about what these products really do and do not do. Um, and to date, what we've seen is, you know, they are deficient um, relative to uh, the comprehensive and proven nature of title and, and what we've been able to uh, to prove over over a number of years. So, um, so that's that's where AOLs are. Um, Fannie Mae authorized these to be used in their selling guide in April of 2022. Uh, Freddie Mac had had been doing it going back to 2008. 
Um, there's not been a lot of uptick, uh, however, in the marketplace. In the recent update that um, was done uh, on these equitable housing plans that I talked about, there, there were only 45 uh, loans with attorney opinion letters and Fannie's update um, out of a 1.2 you know, million loans that were purchased. Um, I think, you know, indicates obviously this is a new and emerging sort of area, but I think there's also questions perhaps lenders are asking about risk and, and whether or not they should be um, engaging in something that, you know, again, that is uh, less than a track record of, um, you know, of sort of proven success that, you know, that it, they've had and sort of the trusted nature of the relationship they've got with a number of title underwriters and agents. Um, exactly. That. Yeah, yeah, the liabilities, you know, at stake are scary and their reputations on the line. So I just threw a link in the chat here for everybody that goes over. Um, Alta does an incredible job of consistently keeping this page updated with um, the latest and greatest letters that have been sent, um, articles that the industry should be tapping into. So if you guys have not been here, keep yourselves um, up to date outside of this conversation by visiting this page. And it does go a little bit more in depth about the difference between the pilot program and AOLs. But I know today we are here very specifically to talk about this pilot. Um, so what kind of implications could this waiver program have on the various parties in the transaction? We were just talking about the lenders and I know, you know, the consumers and of course the agents and underwriters, they, they all play a part. So well, let me let me start with what, you know, again, there's there's, things we know and things we don't know about this particular waiver. As, as we're learning and we're hearing, um, the sense is that this is gonna be refinance focused um, to begin in terms of the pilot. And so, you know, again, that to, to some extent raises a question, well, what are we really doing here around um, homeownership affordability? Um, if it's refi focused, people have homes, obviously there's sustainability components, but um, are we really setting up a program that is going to be meeting the goals for which it is intended? Um, and what are the risks we're taking on and doing it and do those things match up? Does it make sense? So, um, you know, I think um, in terms of uh, the, some of the concerns, again, you know, let's just assume this is a refi uh, focused program. You know, we're in a waiver situation, you're not, homeowners are not benefiting from that curative that's taking place between, you know, the the purchase and the refi, um, you know, um, to produce the the, the uh, lender policy on the on the refi side, you know, the title companies uh, will be cleaning up, um, you know, um, documents of record. They'll be satisfying, you know, paid off mortgages, um, cleaning up things like property descript descriptions in you know the instance of you know, things like divorce, those, those kinds of things. Um, this is not done, you know, without the engagement of the industry, engagement of the title companies um, as partners in providing that policy in working through, um, you know, that, that approach. And so that's, you know, one question, set of questions, one set of concerns that I think those things don't get revealed. Those risks are there. Um, who's going to, you know, manage through those risks and help at the end of the day. I think the other thing here is really a claims handling question. Um, you know, so let's let's say Fannie Mae and the servicer identify title issues, um, uh, you know, in, in the process. This is most often in, in their circumstance, it's most often gonna be in the, in the instance of default. Um, and so, 
if that's the case, you're not having um, and you're not having a title policy and the title company's ability uh, to cure defects uh, after a claim is made, are you incentivizing, for instance, foreclosure instead of modification? Um, and what is how does that you know play out? Um, so there's there's some questions here about you know that incentive structure and how that all works and um, in this particular um, instance, um, you know I think um, for instance let's let's give an example of uh, you know how that may how that may work. So if you have a home equity line of credit uh, as an example and you're um, you're that's something that um, wasn't closed during the refi um, in this instance of a title waiver. Um, and the borrower keeps borrowing on that home equity line, uh, right? Um, so as a servicer, what's your option? You either pay that off, right, or you foreclose um, in order to, you know, subrogate um, your rights there um, in the process. So if you're uh, having a title company involved in this, um, then you're involved, you know, in closing the policy. It's issued. You can fix the issue with a modification. Um, you can be at you know be at the the table there trying to work through some of these these challenges. But if you're not, and there's just this waiver of title, and you know the question is how do these things get addressed and resolved in an effective way? Again, from a the perspective of an industry and experts, professionals who have a track record of dealing with these significant challenges over a number of time, uh, years you know, in, the, in the process. I think the, the third thing that we're hearing too about this pilot that is concerning, really a, um, again, back to the goals of what these equitable plans are attempting to achieve. So um, we had heard um, from a number of places that you know, all borrowers are gonna be eligible for this waiver, um, but that um, you know, it may be focused in the refi space on people with significant equity you know, 80% uh, loan to value. Um, you know, so these are again what probably borrowers who are um, better off in 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 better circumstances. It's not necessarily targeted to uh, those who are um, the audience for um, you know an affordability affordable need. housing. Um, mm -hmm. And um, so, what does it mean for them then? If those people are not part of this process, then are we skimming the top to create a new program and a revenue stream in a primary market for, you know, um, for players who um, are not really kind of addressing the, the challenge that is purported to be put on the table here? I think it becomes then perhaps more costly for the lower moderate income borrower if you're skimming the top and you're dealing with title waivers and other things for those who, you know, who, um, you know, uh, are, you know, of that different classification. So, you know, again, a lot of questions, we don't have all the answers, but I think this is where a transparent process is important. And one of the things I'll say in that is that there is uh, and has been um, from the Federal Housing Finance Agency, a rule that was put forward and finalized last year. It's now in effect that requires essentially all pilot uh, programs, new programs and activities that come out of the GSEs to be reviewed by the FHFA, uh, we would encourage the FHFA and have to have these open for public comment and input so that industries like ours, stakeholders can be um, seeing exactly what the parameters of this are 
and providing the expertise and the assessment so that we don't find ourselves in a position down the road where all of a sudden, you know, whoops, we didn't think about this factor or that factor, claims start coming in and we don't have title, um, you know, insurance on those loans and what's, what happens then? And as right. we know, claims tend to come in not immediately, right? This is a five, seven, 10 year process down the road when you start getting most of the claims coming in and you know a pilot is what 18 months and there you know even if you have no claims in that period you check the box and say this works well i think that's what's so hard yeah there's not enough time real, that's a real concern definitely and i mean i can speak from you know my perspective of just the um visibility i've had into some of the curative issues that you know you'd run into it's really scary to think that people could have a second mortgage that was never closed out on a house and the person who the mortgage was in their name has passed away. Maybe the chain of title has been transitioned and you can't even find some of those companies you need to sign off on. Like that's where the experts really come in. And these people who are introducing the pilot programs, they should definitely be involving you in the conversation, especially since a year ago, they, you know, passed that new program to say that they would have open lines of communication. So I think um, we did a great job talking about what the risks are. And, and I think now we need to, you know, discuss whether or not the program is actually removing the cost of the policy itself um, and what other closing costs it would or could affect. Yeah. So let me start by just um, level setting on on cost and expense um, because I think this is a really important um, topic and I and I think you know to be fair our industry can do even an even better job in explaining um, sort of the the trade-off between cost and value in terms of the protection and the service and all of the things that we provide and I think you know that is a an educational effort that we take seriously that we need to do more and better job, all of us in the industry. Um, but just as a, just as again, a reminder of what we're talking about in terms of um, sort of life of the loan uh, fees and, and costs, this is for title insurance. It is a one-time fee at closing, right? For the premium, um, you know, and, and for the settlement all in, it is, you know, seven tenths, of 1% of the loan amount. Um, and if you look at the cost entire, the entirety of the cost of uh, sort of the mortgage transaction and home ownership broadly, you know, we're not, if you look at what, what is more expensive, you know, servicer costs, the costs the GSEs themselves charge, um, you know, homeowners insurance, um, you know, lender fees, um, taxes, all of those things are significantly more in the grand, um, you know, scheme of things. And so, while I'm I'm not downplaying the need for all of us to be a part and partner of the solution, the reality is let's not sort of miss the forest for the trees here, and let's you know let's really um, make sure we understand what we're talking about, um, because I think that gets lost um, in a lot of respects um, throughout this this process. Um, but in terms of um, what they're talking about on, um, you know, cost reduction, et cetera, I think there's a conflation sometimes between premium settlement charges and sort of things that get labeled title 
which is oftentimes not things that we um, control, nor are things within the bucket of title. And so I think that's part of the dialogue that we've been having with both the FHFA and the GSEs about, let's see the data that you're looking at so that we can best understand and compare it up against the data that the industry has and really do an apples to apples. And I think to date what's been um, uh, an unfortunate circumstance is sort of numbers get thrown out and then you know people sort of at attach themselves to that uh, and, and I think the narrative gets driven in a way that's not um, sort of fully productive and, and really educating of, uh, you know, of, of the, the true cost. And so I don't know, there's, there's a question, a lot of this is really around premium, but um, again, I think we've got to have a more robust um, discussion about all the different factors there, which is what we've been trying to do as an industry. Um, and I know individual companies have been doing that as well. Definitely. And I think just to your point, um, you know, without the education to the consumer, the cost that they're paying in that one time is is saving them. It's a true insurance. And that's what's scary about this is how much does the consumer actually know that they're taking on as a risk, you know, with programs that are being introduced like this. So uh, that brings us to our next point is, you know, what can agents and underwriters do to help? Well, I, yeah, and this is really important, but let me just say one more thing about the, the cost equation too, because I think this is also another piece that's that's really important. So um, in the education, we've talked about, um, for instance, in the refi situation, there are discounts that are available for uh, reissue rates um, and credits associated with uh, lender policies of title, right? And so Let's make sure we understand what those look like. That's been part of the conversation before we say we need to reduce costs, because in many instances, those costs are pretty um, pretty low to begin with. I think the other piece of this is we have to understand all of the dynamics at the state level uh, in terms of how um, title gets paid, who pays, and those kinds of things. So seller pay states. Um, you know, There are many states where the seller pays the cost, of the owner's policy and the lender policy is a minuscule amount. Um, and so at the end of the day, you know, that consumer is really not paying all that much for the coverage that they're receiving. Um, and um, there's also simultaneous issue discounts when you get a purchase, a lender and an owner policy that's significantly reduced. And so all of that needs to come into play as we talk about these issues of, of cost to make sure that we're not, again, just pulling a number off of a calculator on a website and saying, oh, this is the cost of title, it's too high. When in fact, the real analysis shows um, it is a, for again, for the value provided and the protection, it is a um, significantly um, underestimated and, uh, you know, sort of um, uh, uh, valuable commodity from the perspective of both lenders and consumers in terms of risk, the risk that it protects so definitely so definitely. On, the, on the what we can do to help so there's a lot you know I mean we have been engaged obviously uh, from an advocacy perspective to educate I mean that's the role that we play is is really to educate policymakers on um, what is the right approach and the right uh, way to address some of these these questions um, as I said I think that has gone a long way uh, to um, 
not just us, but others asking questions. We recently had um, a hearing uh, where the FHFA uh, came before the House Financial Services Committee, and we had, I think, eight uh, or so members of Congress asking similar questions about both attorney opinion letters and unregulated alternatives, as well as this title waiver pilot to say, look, before we move down this road, we really need to understand the risk, the cost, all of those things. And I think that's been that's been helpful. And and the reason they've been asking those questions, we had um, the Alta Advocacy Summit back in May of this year, which we do every year. I think we had upwards of 200 meetings with members of Congress across uh, the Capitol on the Senate and the House. Uh, we talked about these issues um, and talked about the value and the expertise that we provide as an industry. Um, and that, that went a long way to elevating awareness. So the most important thing people can do um, that are listening is to engage with us in that process. Um, we recently uh, put out um, an alert um, to our membership asking them to weigh in with their policymakers on Capitol Hill um, to express some of the same questions and concerns that we have both, uh, both about the AOL uh, and the, the waiver of title pilot uh, that's been reported. Um, and as a result of that, I think we've got upwards now of 285 members of Congress receiving messages. Um, we, have, we have, you know, 2,000 messages from, you know, several hundred Ulta members going up there. And, you know, and, I, and again, I think this is all in the effort to address real questions about affordability in the right way um, and make sure that we're a partner in the effort as opposed to um, just, you know, having some decisions being made in a vacuum. Um, and that's what we hope to, to achieve. So I would encourage people uh, to get in touch with us. You know, we, we could send a link out um, for them. Definitely. I just put the link in the chat. It was in um, our communications coming up to this, and it will be in the follow-up. We will be sending out a recording of this yeah. to everybody who attended, and it will include that link as well. But speaking of responsible ways to address housing affordability, why don't you speak a little bit to, because as you've you know, reiterated so many times, Alta believes in this. This is what you, know, you guys are trying to do, but it needs to be done in a responsible manner. So what are some of the programs and initiatives that you're working on right now? Yeah, well, let me, let me start, um, Becky, with some policy initiatives, because I, I think at the end of the day, this all begins and ends with consumer protection. Um, you know, that has been a hallmark of, uh, I think, what the industry has always been about and what certainly we have pursued over the last several years, um, you know, from a, a public policy perspective. One of the big issues that we're, we're seeing and we're, we're facing now, uh, some of you may have heard about um, the non-title recorded agreements for personal services, these end traps. Um, you know, these are, these are um, as, as we see them, predatory real estate fee agreements that in exchange for a small fee, a consumer, you know, or ex, I'm sorry, in exchange for a, a payment, a consumer then, you know, is required to list with a, a certain real estate company for the next 40 years into the future. Um, liens are placed on their house. Uh, and in order to get those off, they have to pay exorbitant amount of dollars um, to do that. We've created model legislation uh, that's passed now in, in you know, many states. Um, we're advocating and educating. You know, so that's an example of uh, beneficial policies that um, that affect and protect everyone. Um, beyond that, you know, from an underserved population perspective, in, in terms of low and moderate income um, communities, 
The other thing that we're looking very closely at is the issue of heirs' property. Um, you know, heirs' property challenges certainly um, create barriers to um, wealth building, and um, you know, and the, the ability to tap equity, to refinance, to you know, to really um, have the home as an asset, to have property rights secured. And so we've been working with a number of experts in our industry um, to develop um, a better understanding of the scope of the problem, um, how you know, prevalent is this, and then what are the things we can do? We've endorsed state legislation, the Uniform Partition of Heirs Property Act, um, which is now passed, I think, in 23 or 24 states. And we've worked at the federal level with um, various members of Congress um, to heighten the awareness and raise the, those, those issues you know, as well. And so uh, we're looking to create new solutions there. Um, and, and even beyond that, I would say on the policy side, um, we created, um, as I think you know well and um, have been engaged in, the Ulta Good Deeds Foundation. We've raised over a million dollars um, to provide for grants for nonprofit organizations for affordable housing opportunities in you know, communities across the nation. Um, these are really transformative. Um, you know, yeah, it really is incredible what the Good Deeds Foundation has been able to do. Yeah, smaller scale, but um, certainly important um, important initiatives. And then uh, finally, I'll just say, you know, many of our members are working directly with state housing finance agencies to tap into down payment assistance programs uh, to make sure that there are partners in the local community uh, to tap those funds for um, low and moderate income borrowers, um, as well as, you know, looking at different ways um, they can package their, you know, their fee structures and other things with, you know, with appropriate review at the state level from the regulatory agencies. Um, so uh, that's a lot of what we're doing, um, and we're looking to do more. You know, we are in, engaged in those conversations with the GSEs and with FHFA, um, and that will continue because, as you said, we are committed uh, to um, being a, a big and important player in, in this uh, in this challenge because it's an important one that we all have a responsibility to, to solve. Absolutely. And we appreciate the work the whole team is doing, like I said earlier. And we've got five minutes left. Um, and we do have a couple of questions that have already come in. So, uh, and I know you've got a busy week with Congress yeah. session. So um, we did have a comment come through that someone submitted saying that they um, are actually through all their title searches for any mortgage, um, they've actually found whether it's refi or origination, about 60% need a cure. And I know you were addressing this, but the question is, you know, who is doing this work with the alternative title programs if if it's not being done um, on the onset? Yeah, I mean, I think particularly in the waiver um, example, I mean, I think that is a real question, um, sort of how that is all going to be um, taken care of in a way that is robust and um, expert um, as it is done on the title side today. Um, so that is, you know, that's an open-ended question at this point. Um, you know, I think um, there, again, on the, the AOL side, there's been a lot of claims made about different new providers or products that are out there without a lot of transparency about how that's actually um, going to be addressed and resolved, um, you know, in terms of some of that, that work. Um, so um, I am hopeful that um, that transparency will come, particularly given that state regulators are asking for it, um, and we can have a discussion about how it compares. Um, we've done some analysis of AOLs, um, you know, in terms of the, some of the iterations we saw early in this process, 
that really did show significant gaps in coverage. Mm. I know there, there have been some questions as to whether or not some of these products have evolved. Again, maybe, but the reality is nobody has provided uh, the specifics. And, and so that's the other thing I think from a, a listener perspective, Becky, that I would encourage people. If there are things that people pick up in the marketplace or information, I think that's always useful, again, to help us with our own analysis um, and our ability to collaborate on these, these issues. Definitely. Alta's got so many different forums and committees where they can bring things to your attention right. um, to make sure that you're aware and at least a participant in those conversations to advocate for the industry overall and the, the insurance and practices that have been put in place for good reason. So um, we've got a couple of other questions here. One of them was if there is a geographic limitation to the pilot. So um, at this point, um, it remains unclear sort of where, um, where the markets would be um, in terms of the loans uh, that uh, would be, you know, uh, waived, the title would be waived. Uh, that's not something, again, since the proposal has not been sort of sent forward um, that we've seen. So uh, more to come on that. Yes, one of those unknowns. But yeah. um Someone commented saying that if you guys, Alta, are aware of this, then the insurers or the underwriters must also be aware. And they were just curious, you know, if you know what they're saying about this or have you participated in any advocacy efforts um, in conjunction with them? Yeah, I mean, I, so I think um, there have been um, collaborative conversations um, with uh, with the GSEs uh, and the uh, FHFA um, in terms of the industry, and there have been individual conversations I know that many companies have had um, as well. And we we've encouraged you know um, individual and and uh, collective discussions just to better understand you know goals and objectives, and then try to you know try to meet those um, in a way that again is responsible. So um, that will continue as we move forward. Right. I think everybody's um, on the same page in terms of trying to make an effort towards uh, a better future where it's, you know, purchasing a home, which we know is one of the biggest purchases of people's lives is possible for everyone. Right. Um, but and and the pricings, they <laughs> certainly haven't come down um, in this current economic state that we're in. So it makes it even more of a priority for us. And you know, even in the conversations that I've had, whether it's been with an underwriter or a partner um, or even clients, we've found that everyone seems to be on the same page in terms of wanting to help in, in whatever way they can. So things are done responsibly with the protection top of mind. Um, someone's just asking if they properly understood the comment earlier and that the pilot's just limited to refinances. Um, and they said, is it rate and term or also cash out? Yeah, I, I, so refis, as far as um, sort of we understand, I don't know that we've seen anything sort of deeper than, uh, than that in terms of the different buckets. Yeah, and like we said, it's still super important for all of those. Um, you know, we, the other comment we had was that even in refis, we see 60% of um, those issues needing to be cured. I cannot thank you enough for participating in this conversation and helping us um, to be a platform to educate the industry on this issue and continue to help in any way we can. We look forward to hearing even more as this continues to progress. Yeah, thanks, Becky, and thanks to PropLogix. Appreciate all, all the work, all your partnership, and um, hopefully we've 
educated folks today and I look forward to continuing to do so. To learn more and access important links to information on the pilot program and title insurance alternatives, visit our show notes at proplogics.com forward slash resources. Proplogics would like to thank Chris Morton and the rest of the helpful team at the American Land Title Association. Until next time, happy closings.